Hey, welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man that wants everyone to know that beer tastes better when you have to work the next day. It's Dale. <laughs> What's up? How's it going? It's going good, but how are you? Yeah, ain't that the damn truth? Oh yeah, you gotta have a beer for you when you get off work. That's right. Slam her down. And maybe a few on the way home. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe more than a few. On the way home? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> beer mean, is good. Beer you know, is good. Hey, we ought to be able to get a beer and just drive around. Yeah, you can, but it's not real legal. Yeah. <laughs> but it's you, kinda, can, you can do it. It's kind of frowned upon, I guess. Yeah. That ain't, that ain't real good. No, it ain't. What's going on? You got any good shout-outs for us, man? Oh, man, we got a few. We backed up since we didn't do any last week. We got a few. Uh, if you can, if, uh, you can uh, withstand uh, the time limit. Hey, <laughs> people complain about the time limit. Go ahead. But we got more people now that saying just talk. Go yeah. yeah. So we're gonna talk. We feel free. All right. First, uh, give a shout out to uh, Cameron at uh, Funky CJ ninety six on Instagram who gave us that heads up when the Durham murders, uh, when that news broke that they had uh, solved that. You know, he's, oh, he shot yeah. us the thing before he even knew about it, and that was cool. That was up there in Boone, North Carolina. That was episode twenty six awesome. on the archives. Yeah. So we appreciate that. Um, we have a. Uh, Thank you out to BFP77 for an Apple Podcast five-star rating. Said we had some great storytelling. Yeah. And we appreciate them five stars. Man, they really help us. They do. Apple Podcasts. Go on. Click that five-star and leave a review. Yeah. Hey, I heard the other day on, on a different podcast I was listening to, said uh, always make sure you type something in the box, even if it's just what you have for lunch, because uh, somehow or another they uh, pick up on typing in the box, and that helps your rating. It's an algorithm thing. Yeah, that's a fancy word I was looking for. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, we want to give a shout-out to uh, Shelly Hatch Kastner uh, for a great, great post on Facebook. Man, uh, I really appreciate that. Made us feel good. And just because she said so, and that you all know, a little Dale makes everything better. Oh, little Dale. <laughs> Maybe, does she know something I don't know? No. Okay. <laughs> anyway, and we got a shout-out for uh, Jennifer Moore Bailey. Gave us a killer Facebook recommendation. We appreciate that. We appreciate him a lot. And we got, oh yeah, we got a little correction. We're going to, well, not really a correction, but our buddy D-Boy in Scotland, he uh, sent us another message said, you know, I am a boy. Just want to make sure. So uh, we appreciate your support, and we now know you are a boy. Yep, and we appreciate the, the kind words across the pond. Ain't that some cool stuff? Yeah, hey, I love it, man. All right, and finally, but not last but not least, or whatever you say there, we want to give a shout-out to M. Yak on uh, YouTube for all the killer comments you've been leaving, and we appreciate each and every one of you leaving comments and recommendations and five-star reviews. We appreciate a bunch. It means a lot, and it helps us out, and all you uh, word-of-mouth sharers. Yeah, that, that word-of-mouth stuff, man, that's like fire. It is. Gas yeah, and fire. It really helps. It really does. So we hope y'all guys in, uh, enjoyed our 100th episode. It was kind of like a, just uh, me and Donnie looking back on some stuff, but it was pretty cool to us. Hope it didn't bore you too bad, but we had a good time doing it, and we thought it was a really good episode. And we're moving forward into the 100s now. 101. 101 episode we're working on. And before we get started on it, we are continuing our thing we started back last year of you know selecting someone to do our little outro message, Dale. Yep. And for this episode, we are going to have Kim Poole do our outro for us. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a few people uh, send that in. And if you're interested and you don't know how, just shoot us uh, an email at uh, crackhousechronicles at gmail.com. And we'll give you the info. It's very simple. Basically, you just uh, do your version of our outro, however you want to do it, on a, like a voice recorder on your phone, and just uh, shoot it in. Yeah. 
Very simple, very easy. Very easy, and we'll select one every once in a while to, to do that. That's right. And Kim Poole will be this one, so just uh, stay tuned to the end of the episode and hear her rendition of it. And after watching our video several times, I believe uh, we can make a good drinking game every time I say, yep. <laughs> yep. I believe uh, I'm an over-yipper. We're going to get some t-shirts <laughs> made with Crackhouse Chronicles that says, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, but we are going to get into our episode okay man episode 101 just down the road here yeah and this one uh some people recommended it and uh, asked us to do it and this is fairly local to us yeah i remember when this took place um wasn't too far from us it's a crime that took place in union south carolina yeah it's a couple hours down the road but it's still fairly local yeah not far at all no but anyway this is the story of susan smith mm-hmm. yeah it's a doozy this is a feather wrinkler yeah <laughs> It's a doozy. <laughs> but just a little background on Susan Smith. She was born Susan Lee Vaughn on September the 26th, 1971 in, in Union, South Carolina. Yeah, now Union is uh, like a north central South Carolina, kind of like halfway between Charlotte and Spartanburg, give or take. Yeah. And Susan was the only daughter of Harry and Linda Vaughn. But Harry and Linda, they had a troubled marriage, Dale. Yeah. Well, you know, Harry, he was a firefighter turned meal worker, and he was uh, had a bout uh, with depression and alcoholism. And uh, a lot of times he could get abusive, and, you know, and he'd, uh, he'd threaten, you know, and get in uh, fights with uh, Linda. He even pulled a gun on her one time and then threatened suicide and always accused her of cheating and just... It, w- it wasn't good. Yep. You know, they said he was a bad husband, but he was a great father, too, especially to Susan. But, man, it must be pretty tumultuous and in, Linda, in the house. Yeah. Linda was only 17 when they got married. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, I guess they were, they were just kids themselves, man. Yeah, they been together a long time then, huh? Yeah. But now Linda was pregnant from a previous relationship when she married Harry. Hmm. And she'd already give birth to one child named Michael. And she gave birth to her second son. His name was Scott or Scotty. I can't remember exactly which one it was and then uh susan was born a little bit later okay but I didn't know that. but uh harry and linda they fought a lot in front of the kids yeah i'm sure it's pretty pretty rough and like you said harry was jealous and possessive and and got out of control quite a bit yeah accused her of cheating a lot i think mm-hmm. and i think uh susan had a brother that tried to commit suicide at one time uh tried to hang himself Man, that sounds like it runs in the family. Here. It does, don't it? We're going to talk a lot about that. Yeah. Several of the family members tried to commit suicide at one time or another. Mm. Bad, bad deal. Yep. And we're talking early 70s here, so it ain't like there's a whole lot of our help, or at least it was probably more stigmatized to, to say you had problems than it is now. To ask for help. Yeah. They didn't have better help back then. Yep. But eventually, Harry and Linda's fighting, constant fighting, just led to divorce. Yeah, 1977. Linda decided she had had enough and filed for divorce. Yeah. And Susan was at six at this time. Yeah. And just, I think it was like five weeks after the divorce, Harry um, shot himself. Yep. Yeah. He, he took a shotgun and uh, put it between his legs and basically shot himself in the stomach. But he survived, you know, enough to call 911. So it makes you wonder, was he really... Trying to commit suicide? I mean, I mean if you shoot yourself in the, you know, with a damn shotgun, you'd be pretty serious, but... I guess after he did it and he wasn't dead, so, but he didn't make it. He died, I think, on the way to the hospital. Didn't yeah. He bled out or something. And he was only 37 years old. Mm, that's awful. I'm going to tell you what. Shotgun is nothing nothing to play with. But Susan was devastated, man. Yeah. Yeah, she was 
porn up yeah. and they had told her that her dad had died while cleaning a gun right instead of telling him telling her that he committed suicide yeah i guess they're basically trying to soften the blow you know over dad's death since they were so close yeah you know they told her you know you know now your your dad's in heaven now and said she just said well well i want to go to heaven too to be with my daddy oh yes they were close mm-hmm. well that's some pretty heavy stuff man yeah and then, you know, soon Susan was very unhappy, and she kind of disconnected from all our friends and family. So basically, here she goes down the same road as yeah. everybody else has been. Kind of withdrawn, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. After mm-hmm. losing her dad. Right. But Linda, she remarried. Mm-hmm. And her new husband, his name was Bev Russell. Yeah, Beverly Bev Russell. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty, it wasn't very long, I don't think, after he'd killed himself. No. Uh-uh. But they were already, you know, divorced, but... But uh, uh, Bev Russell, he was a businessman there mm-hmm. in Union. I think he owned a appliance store, appliance shop. Mm-hmm. And um, he was also a member of the Christian Coalition. Right. He it was, was like a uh, conservative Republican group. Right. And yeah, they, he was also a chairman of a local Republican Party as well. Okay. And a big supporter of uh, Pat Robertson, who was running for president at the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was a um, pretty outstanding citizen prominent citizen there in union south carolina yeah and it was basically you know a step up socially and uh financially yeah financially and a little higher class for yeah for you know the vaughns or the yeah and linda and her children they had always struggled financially now they had moved into in uh into bev's house there in uh mount vernon estates right and he pretty much took them took took good care of yeah he was taking care of the family and they were I don't know if they were just had anything at their beck and call as far as being able to buy stuff, but they lived a little bit better lifestyle. A little more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. No, not a lot, not as many worries, you know, and that really helped Susan, you know, kind of adapted well to this. And she was then voted the friendliest female in her high school yearbook. And she was the president of a volunteer organization mm-hmm. in high school. So it seemed to be doing uh, pretty good for her. Yeah. Now, Dale, this was just before Susan's 16th birthday. She was still 15 at the time. Yeah. She was there at the home, and they were sitting there around watching TV, and uh, Bev was sitting there on the TV, on the couch watching TV. and was on the TV. Yeah, and <laughs> Susan was sitting there watching TV, and she curled up next to him, and um, he began to touch her and molest her. Yeah, this was 1987. Yes. Yeah, basically run his hand up her shirt and followed her breast, and then he reached over and took her hand and put it on him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't a good situation at all. No, and that kind of probably freaked her out because you know she was probably just snuggling up because you know she had you know missed her dad and she liked that attention you know that yeah, daddy attention I get it. and then you know her I don't know I don't know what her state of uh, development was but I guess it was pretty good for him and just he uh, but he did what he did mm-hmm. bad stuff and then she told her mom she told DSS you know and. uh even Linda kind of flipped out, and then they did separate. Even asked him, and he admitted he'd done it, and even said he it made him feel like a pervert. I'm like, uh, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. there you go, <laughs> shoe fits, brother. But you know, but uh, I don't know then. But then after that, you know, it said it really. Linda started worrying about what everything looked like. You know, them being this high conservative yeah, family and what, everything, what and people in their what their status say. right was saying about her. You know, and so in '88. The family went to counseling, mm-hmm. and uh, they done a bunch of stuff. And then by the end, uh, she just thinking that well, maybe maybe Bev's healed. So they just left. They all moved back in together. Yep. But the matter was dropped, and Bev moved back home. Guess what? 
it started all over again. It started all over yep. again, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it all started again. And uh, Susan reported to social services again, again, and it made the situation a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Pretty uh, crazy, man. And then that was when Susan reported the sexual abuse to her school guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. And the school guidance counselor was mandated to report it uh, to a caseworker, and it was sent to they were sent to interview Susan, and was they submitted a report about the repeated fondling and molestation of Bev towards Susan, mm-hmm. but no charges were ever filed against Bev. Mm-mm. No, and then uh, in 1989, just a year later, Susan goes to see a psychologist and basically tells them that now that sex with Bev is now consensual. Yeah, they're just they're just having sex. We're just doing it. Yep. And then basically, she basically told the psychologist that uh, I just want to do it because I'm kind of jealous of the attention that he's giving to my mom. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. <laughs> so she really got to have attention. Yep. But it was that summer, too, that Susan, she began to work at a Winn-Dixie supermarket mm-hmm. there in Union. Yeah, and I don't know if Winn-Dixie's are nationwide or not, if that's just a southern thing. It's a southern thing. I don't I don't think they, there business, are any more. Yeah, there's not one around here. No, it used but, to be. But I uh, had Winn-Dixie with uh, S&H green stamps. Mm-hmm. We used to have all them books. You get the little stamps and <laughs> get the book and go through there and pick out you something. You had enough stamps to purchase it. That's right. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Fun stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, McDonald's Monopoly. <laughs> kind of, yeah. But uh, like I say, she was working at the Winn-Dixie supermarket, and she began a relationship with an older married co-worker. Mm-hmm. And she was also dating another co-worker at the same time. Right. And Dale, she became pregnant. Yeah, so right now, if you're keeping tally, <laughs> she's having sex with three different people here at the same time, like uh, two people she works with plus stepdaddy when she gets home. So they really don't know who the daddy of this this uh, pregnancy is. But she had an abortion. Yeah. She went in and told him. Basically, the guy was married, dumped her right away. The other guy kind of broke up. They broke up. She had an abortion. And then... Uh, this is when uh, a suicide attempt was. Yeah. She, she went home and tried to overdose on uh, Tylenol and aspirin. Yes. But, you know, it was not successful. No, it wasn't. It's almost no. like a cry for help in a way. Yeah, and I don't know how much Tylenol and aspirin you'd have to take for that to kill you, but I'm sure it's a lot. I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm... But it was also discovered at this time, you know, when she was hospitalized for this, this overdose that uh, Susan attempted suicide when she was 13 years old that's right and it's pretty much the same manner and the pattern began to emerge of susan's life and she would um, start to seek attention of several men at one time and she would often sleep in with multiple partners and the other was that most were she was infatuated with older men seemed to seek out their approval and love the most what it was yeah yeah she just loved that older man well she loved something and yeah, and later the psychiatrist would speculate that this was either due to losing her father at a, such a young age or the inappropriate sexual relation that she'd been subjected to by her stepfather. I'm sure, you know, all of that, really, you know, because, you know, and then her mom basically not standing up for her when it was happening yeah, and no, allowing him just, to come back and keep doing it. And I guess she just said to hell with it. If it's going to happen, just, I might as well. She just turned her back on her. Yeah. She must, must well, if it's going to happen, I might as well just get in there and. I don't, I don't want to say enjoy it, but you know what I mean? It's just kind yeah, of weird. Very weird. You know, but, but I guess basically it's not blood father, so maybe she's looking at it like it really don't count. I don't know. It's just 
But this girl's all screwed up. Yeah. She really, you know, I don't know, especially, I don't want to seem too sympathetic, but, you know, damn. She really had a chance here, really, you know. No. And she's just, she's just trying, doing basically what she knows, and that's that's really all she does know, you know. Mm-hmm. But while she's working at Winn Dixie, she met a guy named David Smith. Yep. Yeah. She turned, you know, after after all that with the the pregnancy and, and all that stuff, and then the suicide attempt, and she was in the hospital for I think a week or so. And then she she came out of there. She did. She went right back to work at Winn Dixie, which is kind of weird to me. But maybe there's not a whole lot of places to work, but you got to do something. So. Got him, yeah. Yeah, that's when she met David, yeah. Yeah, that's when she met David Smith, and they had attended high school together, but they were just friends at first. And Susan was dating the two other men at the store, and David was also, he had a girlfriend. Yeah, he was in another relationship. Yeah. yeah. I think he was even engaged to be married to another woman. But David broke up with this girlfriend. Yeah, he did. So they could start dating. Yep. So maybe she knew some tricks. She was, she, she's uh getting some people in lined up here and in 1991 after dating david for about a year susan became pregnant and they decided to get married yeah and they got married on march 15th 1991 and this wedding was funded by bev and linda yep uh susan's uh, mom and stepdad right paid the bill but linda susan's mom wasn't happy about susan's pregnancy and she actually disapproved of david yeah, and David didn't really care for her either. No. Because she, I think she'd even told him that he wasn't college educated and had no money. And he lived with his uh, great-grandmother. Yeah. You know, he was a Jehovah's Witness when he was younger. When they first, I think they moved from, where Michigan. From Michigan. Yeah. And uh, with his parents, and they were pretty hardcore into that. And then he basically wanted to get out of that. So he, he moved out of the house with them and then to his Great grandmother's house, which basically was beside the other house, I think, way I, way I believe it was told, and uh, that's why he was living with her. Yeah, yeah. I think the grandmother was renovating the house that they were living in at the time too. Great grandmother. I mean, yeah, the great grandmother. Yeah. You know, um, you said you got married, but you know, right before they got married, uh, David's brother Danny died from uh, Crohn's complications disease. with Crohn's disease. Crohn's disease, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was pretty devastating to David because they were best friends and they were they weren't very far, far apart, you know, as far as age. I think Danny just had surgery on something, and uh, he had some complications from that, an infection or something. That's how yeah, he died. And he died. Yeah. yeah, he was supposed to be part of the wedding party and all, but that's crazy. Yeah, and it was just right before, and so they went ahead and got married. Anyway, it was just but, a couple of weeks after he died, they got so, married. You know, that had to weigh on everybody. Yeah. You know, even uh, and uh, David's dad was pretty broke up about it. He even he even tried to attempt he attempted suicide, basically taking a bunch of pills. And Susan was the one that found him and called nine one one, and yeah. and he survived. So this man, this whole thing is just a mess. Yeah, this whole this whole family on both sides are just messed up in certain ways. Right. But like I said, they moved into uh, David's great grandmother's house. And David and Susan, they had a son. His name was Michael Daniel Smith. Yep. And he was named after um, David's brother Daniel. Yeah. And he was born on October 10th, 1991. That's right. And Susan continued to work at the Winn-Dixie. And she started to uh, venture out a little bit and and improve herself, Dale. Yeah, she was just 20 when the baby was born. Mm-hmm. And then that's when she started uh, some college courses, yep. like you said. Yeah. At the University of South Carolina. 
and they had a decent income for a young couple, but Susan was far from uh, far more interested in acquiring material possessions. Yeah, she like I said, she'd been used to Bev's money and being able to have that finer thing. You know, it's bad you said you know her mother didn't prove David because he wasn't this and he wasn't that. But it's funny how fast she changed. You know, she was from when the first marriage to when she. That is crazy. When she married up, all of a sudden, her thinking and start looking down on people right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, and this guy's working his ass off at the grocery store. He's a produce manager. I mean, it's not like he was a bag boy. So he mm-hmm. had a decent job. But I don't know. It's just funny to me how people look down on other people. But David. When you ain't no better than they are. Exactly. You just married somebody who had some money. That's right. Yeah, she, he wasn't, they wasn't any better than anybody else. Right. But David felt Susan's mom was too controlling and yeah. butted into their marriage too much which caused a lot of tension yeah she was she was in the in the room the delivery room when the baby was born but i don't know that's not a big deal to me i mean my mom was in the delivery room when my daughter was born but yeah but then you know i don't know how what her attitude was like you said was toward david was pretty bad and, and she would always like let them borrow money or susan would ask for murray but it would just piss david off every time that they got money from her Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him because that would probably just make her think less of him each time, you know. Yeah. Or at least in his eyes, that's what, you know, he, if she didn't think it, he's probably thinking she does. But David and Susan, they would uh, both cross the line and get into extramarital relationships. And they would get back at it, one another and and they would bounce back and get back together and then have extramarital affairs again. And it was just a constant off and on thing. Must be something about that Win dixie boy. Something was going on at the window. Everybody Dixon. was doing everybody. Yeah. It was doing the, the deed. Yeah. With everybody, it seemed like. And in 1992, Susan became pregnant for the second time. Mm-hmm. And they decided they need their own house. Right. So all this time, you know, because the day after their first anniversary, they separated. Yeah. And uh, Susan, her and her, uh, her boy, her baby, they went and to live with her mama. And then, like you said, they was, while they were separated, they was both screwing around with him and they was like they would go see each other and they were screwing around. <laughs> so it's like, and then she gets pregnant. So I'm like, what the hell? So yeah. it's just I don't know. So they basically seen that as a sign from God that they should re- try to save the marriage and reunite when she got became pregnant. But they decided to get their own home and they got the down payment from Susan's mom and stepdad, yep. Bev. Mm-hmm. They gave them the down payment. Right. You know, I heard somewhere they said that their house payment was like three hundred something dollars. I'm like, man, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what type of house this was, but that's a good, that's a good payment. <laughs> but, but during uh, Susan's second pregnancy, she wasn't happy at all. No. She was having a tough time. They, yeah. her and David, began to fight a lot more and argue more, and and David was tired of Susan's complaints about him and began to share his his problems with a female co-worker he's sharing more than problems yeah well that's true yeah, yeah. during her, her third trimester he was already full-fledged running around yep yeah and they began having an affair and this and david and susan's second son alexander tyler was born mm-hmm. on august 5th 1993 yeah and after he was born you know they got together and they decided that they would try it one more time to you know to get back together but it only lasted three weeks mm-hmm and David moved back in, back in, back in with his uh, great grandmother. Mm-hmm. And Susan didn't want to return to Win Dixie. Mm. No, and that's when she went to Conso and got a job at Conso. Yeah, Conso was a, a trim manufacturer for uh, cloth and things like that. They made it uh, trim accessories. Mm. 
Yeah. Pretty big business. Yeah, she got a job as a bookkeeper, but she was pretty quickly promoted to assistant to the executive secretary of the owner of the company. Yeah, his name was Jay Carey Finley. But like I said, Jay Carey Finley, he was the president and CEO of Conso. Right. And he had a son that worked there. His name was Tom Finley. He was 27 years old. And Dale, he was probably considered the town's most eligible bachelor at the time. He was like a good-looking fellow of graphic arts guy yeah had money in a high social stand young rich single mm-hmm. working at conso and head of the like you said the graphic arts department susan made a lot of friends at conso and the they had a group there they would often go to a local bar called the hickory nuts after work mm-hmm. and susan and tom would go out with each other during these social occasions and they even dated for a couple months they would go to lunch and, lunch and movies and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Which moves us up to 1994. Yeah, in which I think uh, David was more getting what he could get, and Susan was wanting a whole lot more. I yeah, think she in was, her eyes, she was thinking of something else. Yeah, dating Tom Finley, the most, town's most eligible bachelor, had money. Yeah. And she would be able to keep this lavish lifestyle that she right. was used she, to. She thought this was her, her meal ticket, right? Exactly. Here. But in 19, Catch of the day. <laughs> yeah, in 1994, Susan uh, attended a party at. Uh, Tom Finley's dad's estate, and uh, Tom wasn't um, interested in Susan that night. He was interested in another woman there besides well, Susan. Well, they had a big. It was a big, uh, like a hot tub party at his on his dad's estate, right? Yes. And uh, a lot of people were invited. Several people from Conso, including Susan, and you know they were all out there drinking and stuff and going on. And uh, I think after the night got a little bit wilder, you know, I think uh, some. Uh, clothes started to come off yeah it started to be clothing optional is what i was looking for yeah and uh you know i think uh people with your co-workers now with your co-workers which is kind of weird but you know and then susan had noticed that tom was definitely talking to this other person yeah somebody know. besides her yeah but giving them a lot of attention yeah now i don't know if they were unclothed or they were just they were chit-chatting or what but it really uh it really got her yeah kind of, she had her fuming so she decided to get back at him the best way she knew how yep that's all she knows yep and she got in a hot tub with the husband of a co-worker right this guy didn't work there just his wife worked there at the console mm. and they were making out and having a good good old time <laughs> yeah yeah a little more than making out I think. yeah a lot of hands-on contact <laughs> she's doing a hand jive yeah <laughs> doing a hand jive yeah in the hot tub yeah yeah and Tom t- wasn't too happy with this. No, he's seen all this, and it didn't uh, it didn't do what she wanted. She wanted it to make Tom all jealous, so he would come running to her, but all it did was make him disgusted. Yeah, it just turned the situation worse. It just soured everything. Yep. So the next day, uh, Susan writes Tom a letter, and um, here's that letter. I'm going to go ahead and read it, Dale. Okay. It says, Dear Tom, just a note to say thank you for everything. I could never express in words how much you mean to me. I will always treasure our friendship and all of our many wonderful memories we have made. I want you to know I have never felt with anyone the way I feel when I'm with you. I have never felt so needed. You are a very special person, and that is part of why making love to you is so wonderful. I know how you feel about our relationship, and I respect that. I'm appreciative appreciative of your honesty with me. I want us to be friends forever, and I'll never let anything happen that would change that. I do hope that we'll be able to date 
some and be together again someday. But if we never made love again, my feelings for you would not change because having you as my friend is worth more than sex could ever be worth. Once again, I'm sorry for Saturday night. This is the hot tub party. Mm-hmm. And we take it back. You know, she wrote a little heart-shaped design there in the letter. It says, if I could, I would take it back if I could. I really want to be with you and hated that I, that I wasn't. Thank you for being there for me through all the rough times. You are a true friend. I want you to know that I'll always love and care for you for the rest of my life. You are the best friend anyone could ever have. Well, I hope I said everything right. The bottom line is I'm glad we are friends. That is all we can be. Then we'll just have to do a hell of a job of being that. Who knows what the future holds for our relationship. I'm just going to live one day at a time. One more thing before I go. Please don't ever hesitate to call me if you ever need anything. I'll always be here for you. Friends forever. And she wrote a little heart-shaped design on each side of the words. And she signed it Susan. Right. Now, this is after the hot tub incident when he told her he didn't want to see her no more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Benji Brown, that was the guy in the hot tub that she was uh, pleasuring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Jeff. Yeah. Now, uh, Tom, he wrote a letter back to Susan. Yeah. He had to write her back. Boy. Yeah. And uh, this is Tom's letter. It's a little bit long, but I feel it. You definitely got to put it in here. Yeah, I'm going to read it. You read it in your best Tom voice. I'll read it in my best Tom voice. <laughs> and this is Tom Findlay's response. He said, Dear Susan, I hope if you don't mind, but I think clearer when I'm typing, so this letter is being written on my computer. This is a difficult letter for me to write because I know how much you think of me, and I want you to know that I am flattered that you have such high opinion of me, Susan. I value our friendship very much. You are, you are one of the very few people on this earth that... I feel I can tell anything. You're intelligent, beautiful, sensitive, understanding, and possess many other world wonderful qualities and many other and many others men appreciate. You will without a doubt make some lucky man a great wife, but unfortunately it won't be me. Even though you think we have much in common, we are vastly different. We have been raised in two different environments and therefore think totally different. That is not to say I was raised better than you or vice versa. It just means that we come from two different backgrounds. When I started dating Laura, I knew our backgrounds were going to be a problem. Right before I graduated from Auburn University in 1990, I broke up with a girl whose name was Allison and that I had been dating for over two years. I loved Allison very much, and we were very compatible. Unfortunately, we wanted different things out of life. She wanted to get married and have children before the age of 28 and I did not this conflict spurred our relationship to break up and we have remained friends throughout the years after Allison I was very hurt and I decided not to fall for anyone again until I was ready to make a long commitment for my first two years in union I dated very little in fact I can count the number of dates on one hand that I had but then Laura came along we met at Conso and I fell for her like a ton of bricks Things were great for us at first and remained good for a long time, but I knew deep in my heart that she was not the one for me. People tell me when you find the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, you will know it. Well, even though I fell in love with Laura, I had my doubts about a long-lasting commitment, but I never said anything, and I eventually hurt her very, very deeply. I won't do that again. Susan, I could really fall for you. You have so many endearing qualities about you, and I think you are a terrific person. But like I have told you before, there are some things about you that just aren't quite suited for me. And yes, I'm speaking about your children. I'm sure that your 
kids are good kids, but it really wouldn't matter how good they may be. The fact is, I just don't want children. These feelings may change one day, but I doubt it. With all the crazy mixed-up things that take place in this world today, I just don't have the desire to bring another life into it, and I don't want to be responsible for anyone else's children either. But I am very thankful there are people like you who are not selfish as I am and don't mind bearing the responsibility of children. If everyone thought that way, the way that I do, our species our species would eventually become extinct. But our differences go far beyond the children issue. We are just two, two totally different people, and eventually those differences would cause us to break up. Because I know myself so well, I am sure of this. But don't be discouraged. There is someone out there for you. In fact, it's probably someone you may know at this time or that you may not know, but would never expect. Either way, before you settle down with anyone again, there is something you need to do. Susan, because you got pregnant and married at such a very early age, you missed out on much of your youth. I mean, one minute you were a kid and the next minute you were having kids. Because I come from a place where everyone had had the desire and money to go to college, having the responsibility of children at such a young age is beyond my comprehension. Anyhow, my advice to you is to wait and be very choosy about your next relationship. I can see this may be difficult for you because you're a bit boy crazy, but the proverb states good things come to those who wait. I'm not saying you shouldn't go out and have a good time. In fact, I think you should just go out and do just that. Have a good time and capture some of your youth that you missed out on. But just don't get seriously involved with anyone until you have done the things in life you want to do first. Then the rest will fall in place. Susan, I'm not mad at you about what happened this weekend. Actually, I'm very thankful. As I told you, I was starting to let my I was starting to let my heart warm up to the idea of us going out more than just friends. But seeing you kiss another man put things back into perspective. I remembered how I hurt Laura, and I won't let it happen again. And therefore, I can't let myself get close to you. We will always be friends, but our relationship will never go beyond that of friendship. As far as your relationship with B. Brown, of course, you have to make your own decisions in life. But remember, you have to live with the consequences also. Everyone is held accountable for their actions, and I would hate for people to perceive you as an unreputable person. If you want to catch a nice guy like me one day, you have to act like a nice girl. And you know, nice girls don't sleep with married men. Besides, I want you to feel good about yourself. And I'm afraid that if you sleep with B. Brown or any other married men, for that matter, you will lose your self-respect. I know I did when we were messing around earlier this year. So please, think about your actions before you do anything you will regret. I care for you, but also care for Susan Brown. That was uh, Benji's wife. Right. And I would also hate for anyone to get hurt. Susan may say that she wouldn't care if... Uh, B. Brown had an affair, but you and I know that's not true. Anyhow, as I've already told you, you are a very special person, and don't let anyone make you or feel any different. I see so much potential in you, but only you can make it happen. Don't settle for mediocre in life. Go for it all and settle for the best. I do, and I haven't told you this, but I'm extremely proud of you for going to school. I'm a firm I'm a firm believer in higher education, and once you obtain a degree from college, there is no stopping you. And don't let these idiot boys from Union make you feel like you're not capable or slow you down. After you graduate, you'll be able to go anywhere in this world. 
And if you ever wanted to get a good job in Charlotte, my father is the right person to know. He and Coney know everyone who is anyone in the business world in Charlotte. And if I can ever help you with anything, don't hesitate to ask. Well, this letter must come to an end. It's 11.50 and I'm getting sleepy. But I wanted to write you this letter because you are the one who always make is making an effort for me. And I wanted to return the friendship. I appreciate it when you have dropped me nice little notes or cards or presents at Christmas. And it is about time I started putting a little effort into our friendship. Which reminds me, I thought long and hard about getting you something for your birthday. But decided not to because I wasn't sure what you might think. Now I'm sorry I didn't get you anything. So you can expect something from me at Christmas. But do not buy me anything at Christmas. All I want from you is a nice sweet card. I will cherish it more than anything from the store. Again, you will always have my friendship. And your friendship is one that I will always look upon with sincere affection. Tom. P.S. It's late. Please don't count off for spelling or grammar. Damn. Yeah, that's a pretty long letter. Why don't you just take a hammer and hit her in the head and spit Man, on her once she's on the he ground? Is, he is very, very conceited. I ain't better than you, but that damn I am. Yeah. <laughs> God almighty. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. But Susan was pretty distraught after that letter. Right? I imagine she was. Yeah. That was a, hmm, that was a chicken shit way to do it, I think. Yeah. Man. I, you know, pretty much telling her that. I mean, I know he'd already told her that he didn't want to have nothing else to do with her, but my God. Yeah, I I don't have any words for that. I mean, he's just he was twenty seven at the time writing that. Yeah, just telling her, you know, I'm better than you. I had the means, and we just yeah. we just didn't do things like that. I'm not saying I am, but I am. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Sorry, trailer trash. <laughs> Move on. Yeah, that's pretty much what he was calling her. Man, so as soon as she uh, starts to get herself up and going and doing a little better in life, here comes this. Yeah. So the next day at work, Susan's at Conso as usual, and uh, she and a group of coworkers they go out for uh, lunch, and Tom Finley was there as well. But Susan was pretty quiet that day at lunch. She wasn't saying much or anything like that, Dale. And about one thirty that afternoon, Susan went to her supervisor and asked if she could go home early because she was upset. And this is what she told her supervisor, that she was in love with someone who doesn't love me. Right. And Susan, uh, her supervisor asked, and uh, Susan said it was Tom Finley. But I think everybody pretty much knew they had a. Well, you know, they all knew they had a little thing going, and then they was most, a lot of them was at the party. Yeah. And then so they, you know, everybody already knew. But Susan didn't end up going home. No. No. And it was somewhere around 2.30 that afternoon. She called Tom and asked him to uh, meet her outside the building to talk. And Susan told him that she had had an affair with his father, yeah, God. Jay Carey Finley. And she told him she was confessing this to him because the details might come out in the divorce proceedings. And Tom was pretty pissed off. Yeah. And uh, after hearing this, he just made it clear that he would never have any physical relationship with her again. And But it didn't make him jealous at all. I think that's what she was trying to she do. She was trying because I don't think it ever happened. She just... She's just, that's all she knows how to do. Yeah. Yeah. She just misplayed her hands, all she did. Yeah. He had already made up his mind. All he wanted was what he had already got, and he was moving on. Yeah. Basically, that's the way you look at it. Yeah. That's what she was doing. But she uh, made one more attempt to uh, see Tom, and that's when she went to his office to return 
a Auburn sweatshirt of his. Yeah, she had taken Ward all the time. Yeah, I guess she felt close to him wearing it, and he didn't want it back. He told her to keep the Auburn sweatshirt. Yeah, and had her uh, escorted out. Yep, as <laughs> so more humiliation. Really. Yeah, just slapping her down. Kiss my shoe, peasant. <laughs> All right, Dale, we're going to leave this episode right here. No, not yep. a two-parter. We're going to leave everybody hanging. This is a two-parter, man. Oh, no, cliffhanger. Yep, and we'll be back with uh, part two and end this up next week. Next week. And so that's it. All right, well, let's get out of here. Yep, and uh, stay tuned for Kim Poole's outro. And remember, you can have yours on here. All you got to do is submit it. Yep. We'll pick one every now and again. We don't do them very often, but we do. You know, what, once a month or something we, we try to do. That's it. All right, Dale, this is the end of part one. We'll be back next week with part two, bud. Let's roll. As the fearless leaders of our favorite podcast always remind us, be aware of your surroundings and be safe out there. Take heed to our warning, or the next episode just might be about you. This is The, the Crack, Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.